This is Project 1521. I'm Adolfo Guzman Lopez. Today is July 5th, 2021. For nearly three years, I and nearly a dozen other Southern California writers have come together as Project 1521. We're exploring the 500 years since the conquest of Mexico through art, writing, and current day resistance. On today's show, we'll get an update from the GoFundMe campaign. We've set it up so you can help us publish the first three books in our series. You'll also hear from painter Sandy Rodriguez. Her paintings on Amate, the ancient bark paper, have been central to our work. You'll hear Sandy talk about how she creates colors and dyes through ancient methods and the meanings behind how she uses colors. You're listening to this podcast, but make sure you've subscribed and help us spread the word by telling your friends to subscribe. Look for our GoFundMe link in the podcast description. Let's hear from Project 1521 member Yago Cura with an update about the GoFundMe campaign. Hey there, uh, this is Yago, owner of Vinchas Press and keeper of the GoFundMe campaign. Uh, currently, we're at 15% for our fundraising goal of $6,000. First of all, we wanted to thank those who recently joined our donor family, our sister Claudia from Northern California. Thank you. The beautiful Laurel from El Pueblo de la Reina de Los Angeles. Thank you. Anonymous, the donor, not the underground group. Although, you know. Uh, and former catcher drafted by the Chicago Cubs, El Cubano Poli S. Uh, we got eight more weeks left to reach our goal. You can find the GoFundMe link in the podcast description. Joining our family of GoFundMe donors has its advantages, folks. Uh, if you would like an actual copy of the book, please donate at least 25 bucks, and we will ship it to you anywhere in the continental U.S. You'll also receive a thank you acknowledgement. For every GoFundMe donation, you will receive additional perks and Easter eggs like pictures, videos, special recordings, and links. For example, you could be looking at Sandy Rodriguez's paintings as she describes them in the podcast exclusive videos from various Project 1521 readings or targeted videos that will give you insight to our writings. Donate now, and when the book arrives, you can proudly display it and say, yeah, I helped fund that, and point to your name inside the book. Once again, help us reach our goal by donating. You can find the GoFundMe link in the podcast description. Donate today. Become family. The Florentine Codex is a book of paintings and writings created by indigenous people about 50 years after the 1521 Spanish conquest. These tlacuilos created colors through traditional methods. There were meanings behind colors made from minerals or plants. Sandy Rodriguez talks about how she's adopted those methods in her current work. Here's a talk Sandy gave last year for the Jordan Schnitzer Museum of Art and that the museum posted on YouTube. The series, the Codex Rodriguez Mondragon, really began as a transitional uh, moment when I was painting a series about the 43 college students that went missing in Ayotzinapa. So I had been in Oaxaca the year before and procured this brilliant red that you see on the ground here of this oil painting on canvas. And that is Cochinilla or Nochestli. That is a red um, that throughout the series of work stands in for Latinidad as it is um, 
a, was a, a very important uh, primary uh, bright red that changed markets around the world and was exported from um, southern Mexico. So that was kind of the, the transitional moment. In this slide, you're looking at a 1777 image of the harvesting of the cochinilla, which is a female scale insect that ingests the tissue of the cactus and produces carminic acid. You may have uh, heard of carmine as a color, and I just wanted to show you the historic kind of images from the 18th century that I had been teaching with as part of my uh, museum education practice and then later my civic art engagement practice. If you go further um, back and look into book 11 of the Florentine Codex, you'll see images of the processing of colors. And this is a, a image here of describing how the red is procured from these what they call gusanitos or gusanos, um, which are actually those scale insects. It's important to mention that the Florentine Codex, a text that I reference over and over throughout this series, was partially created during a pandemic, which is why you find this chapter of the book of colors in black and white, because artists were not able to go out of the colegio to go and get the colors to paint this. So you'll see little rivulets that are indicating that it's red like blood without having any color in it. I'm incorporating the hand-processed colorants that you saw on the desk and the mineral pigments onto this sacred ceremonial once outlawed amate paper. This paper is really an opportunity for me to reclaim and reaffirm the indigenous artistic practices of the Americas. The use of plant material is not only significant for situating the work within the, sp the specific floristic provinces, and this is a particular map where I've color-coded each floristic province, which is a um, plant community in and of itself in a state that is as floristically diverse as one might imagine, with colors that were procured in that region. So the purple in the central coast is some elderberry that I procured in San Luis Obispo. The milkweed for Southern California is that acid yellow color. For the Sonoran Desert, we're going back to that cochinilla um, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's very um, conceptually linked and color coded. This makes the maps not a, simply a representation of place, but the objects that serve as an active embodiment of their constituent parts. So in my work, there's a multitude of records, documents, maps, natural history um, sources that inform my interpretation of space, where various histories are combined, juxtaposed, recovered, and re-envisioned to a macro and micro view of humanity in relationship to land, time, and power. As I was doing this research, I was in residence at a um, hospital in South Central Los Angeles, where I was working with unhomed clients in a recuperative center. And so I would go out into these desert regions and I would camp out for four or five days with an herbalist learning about edible medicinal plants. I would come back to the city and then go into the Getty Research Institute and start scouring historic texts to learn about utilitarian uses of these plants. And it is there that my investigation into indigenous colors of the Americas led me to research the Florentine Codex. 
which is um, just extraordinary. And this history of image making and color making in colonial Mexico has had a profound impact on the series. So during the middle of the 16th century, um, they created a compendium of the things of New Spain with parallel Spanish and Nahuatl text describing the deities, plants, history of the Spanish invasion. But it's 2,000 pages, 12 books. And in this scene, you're seeing the desert regions of California with indicator plants like the Ocotillo or the Joshua tree that signify the transition from Sonoran Desert to Mojave Desert. You're seeing medicinal plants and uh, bedrock morteros where food and color has been processed, the nopal, um, Washingtonia filfora, and then in the ocean you'll see mythical um, animals like the papalomichi and the ocelomichi. And this is all set within the California map. You have some of the source images from the Book of Natural History where you can see the original uh, paintings on uh, laid paper that I've now reintroduced uh, to Amate paper. So this is one of the first sites that I went out to and this is um, it called Indian Valley and it's in the Anza Borrego Desert, part of the Sonoran Desert. But you can see the Incopa Range and the Ocotillos as well as the uh, beaver table of Buntia cactus and um, other plants that I was surrounded by. And, and these campouts were always four or five days around the full moon, so it's perfectly crystal clear. After doing the Sonoran and the Mojave Desert, we went up to the Great Basin Desert and you can see the snowy capped mountains in the distance, the hot rivers and these geothermal pools next to the stinging nettle and the uh, manzanita. And that's what it looked like when we were walking around, um, really looking at some of the native medicinal plants of the region. In the top left of the map, you'll see a eagle, which is a Mexican eagle from the Florentine Codex, uh, deporting a lying uh, pig with the Trump hairdo. And again, this is a combination of sources because this pig, sea pig, was compared to heretics that distorted truths and lived like swine and is from a 16th century um, map. And in the 16th century uh, European maps, you had one sea animal for every land animal. So you had a sea pig, a sea cow, a sea dog, but with different attributes. In the top right of the first map, again, I replaced the Tlaquilo that you see on the left with myself. And this image is with all of the colors in front of a stretched piece of parchment. And then more images of myself color processing. So I had to have a friend come over and help put me into the position of the historic document, take a picture, and then really kind of work with primary sources and then digital photography. For the representation of hematite or iron oxide, they show it in the mouth of a cave because it is coming from the underworld. And so when you're painting with a mineral or an earth pigment that is extracted from the mouth to the underworld, it's representing those deities and those realms. So underworld solar realm is represented with more translucent red, like the Nochesli or the Cochinilla that you see next to it. And then the more opaque would have been legible to 16th century audiences. So it was these um, kind of distinctions from book 11 
and the essentially the treatise on color that I wanted to include in this map. In addition to the maps, they're typically flanked with botanicals. But here is the Opuntia bacillaris that I got to see in full flowering in the Sonoran Desert. And it's painted in a Maya green with blues and then the cochinilla. You'll notice at the bottom that the title is Nopali, which is the Nahua name, and then the Latin name, Opuntia bacillaris. This is the flowering uh, state, but this is the one that produces the most delicious and edible cactus fruit, the tunas. Very faint and almost camouflaged into the fibers of the amate is a calavera copter. And I have the kind of juxtaposition of the INS uh, helicopter kind of swarming around the nopal, again, standing in for Latinidad. This amate paper that we have been looking at, I mentioned is a sacred ceremonial outlawed paper because the codices and documents at the time of the conquest were burned. And because they'd been used by uh, populations and religious ceremonies and for recording their history, they decided to make it a prohibited uh, good to trade, produce, or use. So the Florentine Codex is written on uh, European paper that they had to wait many, many months to ship from overseas. So this one is the marigold, which we all saw um, so much of during the Days of the Dead, is also one of the, the kind of uh, plants associated with Mexicanidad. And so again, you have Sempasuchil and then Tagetes Erecta, which is its Latin name. I understood early on that dyers had been using um, this particular marigold to extract color for fabric, but I hadn't quite figured out how to do it for painting. So you see a number of experiments on the side, but it was never enough, it was never potent enough to um, put a binder in and use. So there were many failed experiments and, and um, opportunities to play within the series. This is uh, Palo Tinto, which can become four different colors. And you see at the heartwood, this colorant is not um, easily accessible. You have to cut the tree and get all the exterior bark off to get that heartwood. And this particular uh, type of Hematoxylum brasileto grows in the southern tip of Baja, but the primary logwood comes from Campeche. Um, so that's much further south. And this is a Fabaceae in different states of flowering here. The milkweed that uh, made that acidic color on the southern part of California is a butterfly milkweed. So you have its Latin name, its common name, and then a reference to the Florentine Codex. Um, and these are experiments of me trying to get some color from this plant. And not in all of the texts do they describe exactly which part. So you have to experiment. Does the color come from the leaves? Does it come from the root? Is it fresh? Does it have to be dry? Does the pH level of the water have to be such to do the heat extraction? And then how do I um, acidify or neutralize or shift that color are parts of the questions that take place in the making of these maps. And as I mentioned, there is the field study, the um, historic research, and the process from start to finish takes anywhere from six to nine months.
Project 1521 writer Sarah Harris is a master gardener. You'll hear some of that knowledge in this piece she read during a Project 1521 reading at Beyond Baroque in Los Angeles in 2020. This one is for Nonon Chan. She's there. You've seen her. I will stand here. Um, I'm a master gardener, and uh, I understand that ants are a sign of problems in a plant in the garden. And so a plant that loves ants and invites life to those rejected, abandoned, and betrayed, like Nonon Chan, we it reminds us that we are complicit in the illicit mistreatment of children on the banished edges of the garden. This is for Maria and Yasmin and for the ant-loving plant that cures pain in the heart. Three, para Nononchon, who was here, pero ya se fue. What happens when it all goes too far to be saved? When a bed is a grave paved by doing nothing? Las hormigas, they are always a sign that something is not fine despite the divinity of the flower. The final hour is always devoid of red tape. O sea, quien vea el faro de la luz adentro, toca el cachete, pone el arete de la luna, que protege hasta la más mala medicina de hoy. Mañana amanece el sol sin ti. I have no words for let it be. I have no words for let it be. You see, it's gone too far to be saved. Las hormigas, they circle the grave. They consume the root of the plant in its absence. Sarah's poetry will be part of Project 1521's forthcoming books, but to publish them, we need you to join our family of donors. We are currently at 16% of our goal. Please click on the GoFundMe link in the podcast description. Thank you for listening. Join us Mondays for new episodes.